in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. And folks at 106, good afternoon. Thank you, JR. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dpetro.com. Right now at 106, this portion of our program on this Thursday, as uh, the hours are ticking, and again, everyone now, I feel terrible for our retailers. Folks, but it's dry right now. You can get out this afternoon. You can uh, run some errands. You can do some shopping. It's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. I have Juan comes bearing good news. They are waiting for you right now as we speak at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Now, right now at 107, I want to mention that a friend of mine, and he did become a friend of mine. I first met Tony Freitas. Tony Freitas, who ran J.K.L. Engineering. As a matter of fact, everyone listening to the radio right now, when I decided that I was going to venture off and do my own thing, uh, one of my longtime sponsors, actually, he just sold the business. But one of our first sponsors was J.K.L. and Tony Freitas. And he passed away. He had had a series of complications. He had had a stroke. I won't get into all his medical history, but I talked to him not long ago. And then um, at age 73, he passed away. But Tony, he had just sold the business. And he, um, Tony did not like the way things are, were going in the city. Tony Freitas did not. And as a result of that, in 1998, he became suspicious over some of the different individuals that were getting contracts in the city of Providence. And so Tony Freitas decided to work and go undercover for the FBI and work for them and they set up, so I, I met him right after Plenodome broke wide open, and that was in April of 1999, the very end of April, and then I met him shortly after that, and for a while, we didn't know who the, the businessman was, and we had heard about that there were tapes of transactions that had had happened inside City Hall. And one of the one of the greatest moments of local TV news was we later found out. Um, and then I also found out how I got dragged in. But so I not only knew Tony Freitas, I then started to get to know some of the different key players in Plunderdome. And I, I still remember, I mean, Anthony um, Anarino, he went to prison. And then I really got to know Joe Pannoni very well. And I had met, I was introduced to a family member of his at the Capitol Grill. I wanted to meet him. And so I, I actually started communicating with David Ede, who has also since passed away, Joe Pannoni and Tony Freitas, who was giving me a lot of information about uh, the investigation. And so much that the attorney for Joe Pannoni, I went when they, he agreed and he, he got sentenced. He got whacked in court. And I even did a contest um, where the winner got to have lunch with me at Andino's up on the hill. And then they got to accompany me to the courthouse. And and while we were at the lunch, who pops by the table but old Joe, Joe Pannoni, he pops by. So he lived over near PC. I used to go by his house and I'd get off the air and then we'd talk. I remember I met his brother, Ralph. I remember we had a big luncheon celebration on his uh, his brother, Ralph's birthday. And uh, we'd have prosciutto and so forth. But anyhow, his attorney was Joe Bevilacqua. And 
unbeknownst to me, it was Bevilacqua that gave the tape, one of the Plunderdome tapes, to Terracani. And he gave Jim Terracani, who also has passed away, he gave him the tape of Tony Freitas in City Hall and then giving the envelope with money to Frank Correnti, who was chief of staff to Cianci. So, so then I got subpoenaed when that tape um, came out. And, and the night that Channel 10 did it, it was the only thing they ran. And they also, they had Dan Janik, who's now an anchor, at City Hall. The Channel 10 newscast that night was one story, and it was the Plunderdome tape. Of they, The FBI had put a, a camera on Tony Freitas' briefcase. And they had him deliver the bribe to Frank Correnti. And I, by the way, I've also since then gotten to know Frank Correnti and his wife Thelma. And they're, they're really, really nice people. He lives in Western Cranston. And one time several years ago, my son was in a golf tournament. And the final two was his grandson against young Daniel DiPietro. But anyhow, so... um. So that's how I got to know. So then when well, they knew the tape was out and then they, they were trying to figure out who gave it to Terracani. And when they questioned Bevilacqua, he said, I think I think the Petro gave it to Terracani. So that's why then I got subpoenaed by the special prosecutor, Mark, um, Mark DeSesto, really, really strong. And they knew exactly the tape they were looking for. Because it was out there for for a while, and so um, and then, and then now one time, when I was over at, it was right around Christmas time. It was after Christmas, because I was over with Joe Panoni, and um, he said, "Yeah, I got." Uh, he was showing me what he got for Christmas, and then he got a phone call, and then he said, "Oh, I, I, my kids got me." It was like. Uh, back when we had VHS tapes, and he his children got him something to do with Sinatra, so he said it's it's in there. So he's like, I got to take this phone call. I don't know who it was. So I am in his room at his house. We're the only ones home where where he would watch television. Joe Panoni. So I just press play, and and I'm watching. There's the Plunderdome tape because they also they had Panoni on tape. They had Pannoni on tape at Tony Freitas' business, where he would come in and explain. And, and Fre- Tony Freitas was was bribing Joe Pannoni, who was using the money to put a new roof on his daughter's house that lived next to them over near PC, right near Eagle Park, right in the back of the Providence College area. So, so I saw it. And then Joe comes into the room when he got off the phone. I'm just letting it run. And I'm watching. There are the Plunderdome tapes. Now, in hindsight, you know, this was before everyone really started using cell phones as much as we use them now. I mean, I should have rolled on my tape on my phone. I should have recorded. I mean, now, oh, it would have been so valuable. But I didn't want to get him in trouble. So the FBI, they, I think, somehow figured out how he got, Tara County got that tape. And then we, we learned when Tarakani was then forced to, he was going to go to jail. Jim Tarakani always just tell me, they're not putting me in jail. I have a heart problem. They're not going to put me in jail. And then when he would not tell the government, the judge, where he got the tape, he, he, he even traveled to Paris that summer. The judge said, well, we, we, have, uh, we have medical facilities. Devons, Fort Devons. In Massachusetts, where I think right now you could probably hear me in that area, AM 1380. We could send you there. And that's when Terracani freaked. And then he kind of played a game and let the FBI agent, Dennis Aiken, know that it was Bevilacqua. He he showed him a, a, a sheet that had a list of names. They had narrowed it down. And I think, I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was like Terracani blinked. A certain way when he moved the pen, there were like five names on a sheet of paper. And when he moved it down, 
to Bevilacqua, he blinked, which means that's who gave me the tape. So then they busted Joe Bev. Now, there was another time that, and folks, good afternoon at 116. I want to mention Tony was, Tony Freitas, he, um, and then he had his big day in court. He had his big day in court, and he was very effective on the stand. And they would not have had an Operation Plunderholm if not for Tony Freitas, who it took courage. He was fearful of David Ede. David Ede kept guns in his business. David Ede was wildly paranoid. He was always paranoid. Um, and then Ede was trying to figure out who gave the tape. And then Ede worked with the FBI. You know, I haven't talked about this a lot, but Ede actually tried to set me up and said he needed to talk to me. He needed to tell me something. I got off the air and uh, we were inside his truck behind at the HJJ studios and he was acting odd. And so I was just really noncommittal, but he was trying to get time knocked off his sentence. He was telling the FBI that I had given Terracani the tape. And I was very clear, folks. If I had had that tape, I would have I would have posted it on my website. I would have done something with it. I wouldn't have just handed it to Jim Terracani. But Tim White's dad, rest in peace, Jack White, I don't I don't begrudge him, but he used to tell people that I had given the uh, that famous Plunderdome tape to Terracani, and that's not how it it came about. And I used to see Jim at Gold's in East Greenwich sometimes on Saturday morning. And then on a Friday afternoon, he said, hey, just so you know, they brought me down to uh, FBI headquarters on Friday. They showed they they think you gave gave me the tape. And then that resulted in a big story. But anyhow, Tony Freitas, who really meant he was dealing with Joe Pannoni and David Ede. And those were the two that got busted. Those were the two. Uh, Ede was really, really shaky. And I still, to the, I don't know what to make of uh, of David Ede. But I have some different theories about that. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Pannoni, though, he felt terrible. Because then he was saying he felt bad about Cianci and da-da-da. And then... Those of you, some people may remember this, some people may not. So then I got uh, subpoenaed for the trial, and it was two-part. Number one, they were busting my chops and wanted to keep me out of the trial, because if you're a witness, you can't attend. And then number two, Egbert, Richard Egbert, who's also deceased now, he, um, he was saying, well, if we do a deposition, sit for a dep- if you sit for a deposition, then... Then you can attend the trial. But I, we fought it. My attorney, Joe Kavanaugh, fought them. I was able to obviously attend the trial. But um, it was it was two parts. But Pannoni, he just felt bad because Freitas recorded him. And he was trying to teach him how they operate. And and they, they were now Frank Correnti, if you saw, he threw Freitas threw the money down. And then Correnti just like threw his hand like, ah, the hell with them. And then, but that was not Correnti. Um, I, I don't know. I, he, he kept saying, Tony, it's not necessary. I don't know what to make of that. I bet if Frank could have that moment over again, he would. But anyhow, um, but Tony Freitas, he then went on and, and listen, it, it, it has an effect on you when you're in a dangerous situation, which he was. And, I think Tony thought he would be heralded more as as like someone that cleaned up corruption. But a lot of people held it against him because CNC was so well loved. And so a lot of people kind of gave him a hard time. And I don't I know it wasn't what he had been expecting. I think he felt that he would be treated as a citizen who did the right thing. And then he got really into it and he wanted to work with the FBI and so forth. Um, but anyhow, Tony Freitas, very prematurely, but he had had some health complications, has passed away at age 73. Well, folks, good afternoon at 121. I also saw, and some people are commenting, I posted this. The Providence Journal did this story <laughs> that people are almost laughing about. 
on my um, uh, laughing about. The Providence Journal did a story that they, you know, listen, the paper's not what it was. It's just not. And, folks, television, television, I believe, is next. I think television is is next as far as media has um, really taken newspaper have have really taken a beating in in our new world, right? Newspapers are just not what they once were. I'm seeing right now the Providence Journal. Tony Freitas, who wore a wire to bring down a corrupt Ciency administration, dead at 73. It is true. What's the other journal story? Gun owners modifying, turning in magazines now considered illegal. I say hold on to it. So the journal now, they have their story on uh, Tony Freitas, who wrote it. Tom Mooney, he did wear the wire. He got into City Hall. All true. Uh, Mike Santoni was a gutsy enough guy, crazy enough to wear a wire into CNC City Hall, and he brought down the king. He did what no one thought was possible. All true. Freitas was the central witness in the FBI's Operation Plunderdome, nabbed Cianci and corrupt members of administration in the late 1990s. I remember they show, and Freitas got an envelope 1,000, and they filmed it with FBI agent Dennis Aiken. Based largely on hidden video and audio evidence, a federal jury convicted Cianci of racketeering, running city government as a criminal enterprise. He served four and a half years in federal prison. Half dozen members of administration also went to prison. That was such a wild time. Some of the most famous evidence was video of Sancy's top aide, Frank Carenti, taking an envelope. Freitas gave him stuffed with cash as a bribe. The exchange was captured on a camera pointing out of Freitas's briefcase. Frank Carenti shortly resigned right after that. Uh, Freitas owned JKL. He owned city property, got disgusted how they awarded leases to contractors willing to pay bribes. State federal agencies had targeted CNC, but he proved to be too clever. And then they entered his code name was Mr. Freon. Codename federal agents used for Freitas, their willing undercover informant. Uh, Stanley always hated what he called the cockroaches, corrupt public officials. He didn't like a lot of the bribes. Pat Cordalesa, longtime friend of Tony. Tony should be remembered for the courageous position he took in helping get rid of corruption in Providence. It was dangerous what he did. It was. Absolutely was. He was proud of his role and his uh, condolences. I'll see her at the services. Beth Measley was a wonderful woman. So Tony has, um, has passed away. Tony Freitas. Folks, this portion of the program... Is brought by It's My Health. Now it's 124. 124 on this Thursday. And you could pop in right now and see Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's My Health. Right across, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. They have stocking stuffers, they have great gifts. Pop in and see them. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie. Buy a gift certificate. Get someone a massage. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. And she's open right now. And she's open tomorrow. And she's open on Christmas Eve. I'm seeing some other headlines. Very sad about my friend Tony. He's my good friend. Uh, police and Ripta. Faulted for not carrying after an overdose in Kennedy Plaza. Hmm. Advocates for police ripped and not carrying. Uh, what do you call that? The stuff that they shoot them with? Rhode Island Public Transit Authority staff refused to assist people in call 911. Oh, without a Narcan. Hmm. Ah. Goodness, the victim turned an awful shade of deep blue as they were searching for uh, Narcan. McKee said she asked a ripped employee who's unknown they would not carry the drug. He then refused to call 911. We don't carry Narcan. Hmm. Well, maybe because all the different people are 
uh, overdosing at Kennedy Plaza. Mm. Um, who is this person? Now, the person's name is McKee, so in the article, it's a little confusing because obviously then we think of it's Haley McKee. Okay. Well, a lot of times those people exaggerate, to be honest with you. So I, I don't know if that's the case. Big storm will reach Rhode Island as rain, then temperatures will drop. All right, here's the latest, folks. It's 127. A massive storm moving across the country will bring rain to southern New England today and then tomorrow. Washington hopes for a white Christmas. That's okay. But also, saving residents have to dig out. That is okay. High-impact storm brings multiple hazards. High winds, coastal flooding, heavy rain. Storm pulls away by Christmas Eve. Temperatures will have plummeted more than 40 degrees. I am not driving on Christmas Eve. Combination cold air, winds, bring an ocean effect snow along Rhode Island and coast of Massachusetts. So a snowy Christmas morning scene, parts of southern New England. Well, that'd be nice. With the storm expected to bring heavy snow and ice, it's hitting when many, that is true. Tomorrow's going to be a tough day to travel. My goodness. When will the heavy winds come to Rhode Island? Storms should move in late tonight. 100% chance of rain tonight. Two to three inches of rain. Whoa. Island should see up to two inches. The wind will be calm to start today. Build overnight Friday. How about the wind could be up to 60 miles an hour? 65 But the temperature is going to be 58 degrees. Now, weather, Juan the weatherman, I'm looking right now. I'm seeing a forecast that rain is going to be starting after 2 o'clock. Then it's going to stop. The rain starts in our area around 5 o'clock. And then it's going to rain all day tomorrow. Saturday night, Christmas Eve. Christmas, sunny but cold. Monday, sunny, a little bit warmer. All right, so there's our forecast. Get get done what you have to get done, and then you don't have to worry about it. So it's as simple as that. But anyone that's out tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow night, it and, and not only that, the, the roads have just been a joke with the traffic. The roads have just been parking lot, just brutal parking lot so I would think that if you don't have to I would um, try to get done today's a good day to get things done yep today is a good day to to get everything done and people are asking me when when is uh when is Cranston PD Live Episode 7? That's a good question. I don't know. I'll know soon. I will um, we'll know soon enough. I'm not... We'll figure it out sometime very soon. But you can see all the episodes if you go to the website, dpetro.com. Now, let me just check. What time is it? It's 1.30. Folks, it's 1.30. Hello. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Where's that story, though, I wonder? <laughs> we were kind of laughing about it on the uh, FB page. And I also want to mention, again, next, into the new year, we're already making uh, plans. We're going to have a larger presence, a larger presence on YouTube. YouTube's the next mountain. Uh, where's that? story that I wanted to Providence Journal is trying to say all these people are moving to Rhode Island <laughs> the state police still have not put out a press release on the body found in Coventry I mean it, 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 it is just the definition of pathetic it just is it, it's more than 24 hours ludicrous just stupid just stupid I don't Whatever. 
All right. Good luck with that, as they say. All right. Where's my story on the pro, Joe? These people that, yeah, here we go. From country to city, folks are falling in love. <laughs> Who wrote this story? One of the newer, oh, subscriber only. These people are insane. All right. Let me see what else is happening here. Um, someone sent me a message. Do I think Trump will be indicted before Christmas? I don't think so. All right. Here are the headlines. USA braces for once in generation weather front. Temperatures fall 68 degrees in Denver. That's what's really going to throw things off. It's going to be very mild on Friday. And then, boom, it will fall into Christmas Eve. Christmas storm travel chaos. I don't want any part of that. Let's see. Some other headlines now. Musk campaigned to win back Twitter advertisers isn't going well. Hmm. Tesla doubles discounts on vehicles. That's interesting. More stocks are plunging. Senate probes forced labor. Zelensky, heroes welcome in D.C. I think he he, uh, earned it. Show of unity, risky venture out of Ukraine. Visits yield remarkable moment for two presidents. Uh, The gay world war inside Putin's warped reality. Hmm. Let's see. Um, In testimony, Fox employees say they doubted election fraud claims. That's interesting. We'll take pick that up with uh, our legal expert attorney Tim Tim Dodd next next week. Um, let's see. Life expectancy lowest since 1996. Gunman tried to kill famous TV anchor. Mexico leader suggests it was staged. Hmm. Air travel becomes luxury. How about that? People in Alaska are watching Cranston PD live. <laughs> hey, YouTube TV shift with NFL deal. They're going to have uh, the ticket, right? They're going to, I think they're going to get the ticket. So that's big. Brady's never lost more games, still might make playoffs. I hope he makes the playoffs. Let number 12 keep playing. Why not? I plan on watching. Hey, this is great. We have Chris- we have football on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I love it. All good as far as Juan is concerned. Yes, yes, indeed. Let me just read this Fox story at 134. Uh, let's see. November 30th. Here we go. All right. New York Times in testimony. He and any others said they doubted. Trump's fraud claims. November 30th, 2020, Sean Hannity hosted Sidney Powell on his primetime Fox News program. I don't remember that. I remember her being on with Lou Dobbs. As she had many other interviews, Powell, former federal prosecutor, spun wild conspiracy theories about what she said was corruption all across the country, countless districts, in a plot to steal re-election from President Trump. The center of this imagined plot were machines from Dominion voting machines, which Powell claimed ran an algorithm that switched votes for Trump to votes for Biden. Dominion machines, she insists, were being used to trash large batch of votes. Hannity interrupted her with a gentle question that had been circulating among election deniers despite a lack of supporting proof. Why were Democrats silencing whistleblowers who could prove the fraud? Did Hannity believe any of this? What was Sean Hannity's answer now? I did not believe it for one second. That was the answer Sean Hannity gave under oath in a deposition in Dominion's 1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News. The hearing was called. This happened yesterday. Closed court hearing yesterday. The hearing was called to address several issues need to be resolved before the case heads for a jury trial. Hannity's disclosure, along with others that emerged from court yesterday, about what Fox News executives and hosts really believed as their network became one of the loudest megaphones about lies about the 2020 election, 
is among the strongest evidence yet to emerge publicly that some Fox employees knew that what they were broadcasting was false. The high legal standard of proof and defamation makes it difficult for a company such as Dominion to prevail against a media organization like Fox News. Dominion has to persuade a jury that people at Fox were in effect saying one thing in private while telling their audience exactly the opposite. And that requires showing a jury convincing evidence that speaks to the state of mind. So in Delaware Superior Court yesterday, Dominion lawyers argued they'd obtained ample evidence to make that case. One lawyer for Dominion said not a single Fox witness so far has produced anything supporting the various false claims about the company that were uttered repeatedly on the network. In some cases, other high-profile hosts and senior executives echoed Hannity's doubts about what Trump and his allies like Powell were saying, according to the Dominion lawyer. This includes Meade Cooper, who oversees primetime programming at Fox News, and primetime star Tucker Carlson, Oh, boy. Many of the highest ranking Fox people have admitted under oath they never believed the Dominion lies. Now, folks, just for the record, I never believed them. I said I didn't believe some of the results, but I never said the machines. I've argued at 138 on this uh, Thursday, there are many of you listening right now that got very upset because I didn't say I believed the Dominion stuff. Who's right now? Who's wrong? They described how Carlson tried to squirm out of it at his deposition when asked what he really believed. Started to elaborate what Carlson had said privately, telling the judge about the existence of text messages the host had in November, December 2020. But the judge cut him off, leaving the specific contents of those texts unknown. A spokesperson for Fox declined to comment. Another previously unknown detail emerged about what was going on inside the Fox universe. A second lawyer representing Dominion told Davis about evidence obtained by Dominion showing that an employee of Fox tried to intervene with the White House to stop Powell. According to Nelson, that employee called the fraud claims outlandish and pressed Trump staff to get rid of Powell who was advising the president on filing legal challenge to the results. I said that lady was a fraud. Two years ago, I said that. And I argued with several of you. She never produced any evidence. She was lying to you. And so Sid Powell, Mike Flynn, Sid Lynn Wood, lies, lie, three liars. She never proved anything. Evidence and the evidence cut straight to the heart of whether they were liable for defamation. Hmm. The judge ruled in June Dominion could sue the larger, highly profitable corporation, which includes the Fox Network on basic television and a lucrative sports broadcasting division. Now, if they're in trouble, what about Newsmax? Newsmax emerged November, December. Of 2020, Greg Kelly and Newsmax, they were cruising on the whole thing the election was stolen. To the point Fox ratings went down. Fox ratings dipped. That put Newsmax on the map. If Fox is in trouble, what about Newsmax? Over the last several months, Dominion's been combing through mountains of private email and text from people at every level of Fox. Hosts like Hannity. Mid-level producers, they produced, Fox handed over 52,000 documents for Dominion with more to come. During the hearing, the judge was asked to rule on several issues. One was whether a second voting company that's suing Fox for defamation, remember Smartmatic, could be given access to the documents Dominion obtained. Davis ruled in Fox's favor, denying the motion. A second issue is whether certain evidence Dominion has used against Fox, including emails among employees, should be made public. Hmm. Throughout the case, Fox has asked the court to keep almost everything in the case pertaining to its inner workings under seal. A third lawyer for Dominion. 
Folks, this case, they're suing $1.6 billion. Right, the public had a fundamental right to see what it filed with the court. Hmm. I don't know about that. Uh, the judge disagreed, ruling the evidence would stay under seal. But he admonished the lawyers, neither party in the case should be overly aggressive, trying to keep facts in the case confidential. If, for instance, someone says something not bright, therefore embarrassing, that wouldn't be enough to keep that information under seal. So, again, not to be a broken record here, folks, but... It's two years later, you know, right after the election, I was contacted. A friend of mine, a friend of mine told me this was coming from Mike Flynn, General Flynn's camp, that Homeland Security was involved. They had placed a watermark on every ballot. And that the whole thing was going to be overturned. Let me know when that happens. It's not your imagination. It never happened. There was no watermark with Homeland Security. It was all made up. You know, it was kind of like on January 6th. That day, people started contacting me and saying that it was all BLM and Antifa. BLM and Antifa were the ones inside the Capitol that day. <laughs> uh, not everybody. It wasn't all BLM and Antifa. And I said, no, it wasn't. I was our crowd. I was communicating with some of those people. No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bus loads. Yep. People sending that to me. Who said that? Somebody, I think Flynn or... Lynn Wood or Sid Powell, they started all that. Oh, they were some of the first ones that were. They were. Um, they were the ones that um, was spreading that. They were the ones spreading that. So what happened to that? And there's so much of this. You know, they have the fraud. They can't prove it. Folks, as I have told many of you. You know, so many people, <laughs> and a lot of them are new to the game, meaning they, they just started, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. And I recognize some of the Trump supporters. Now, it's 144 on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's just several people that in the past they never paid attention to the news. So they, their, they, their recall of things is, is actually, it's a lot of it's not firsthand. Meaning they, they don't know when certain things happen. They, they don't remember them happening. Therefore, they rely on the memory of others to tell them when something happened. And, I, I, because I follow it, I, I remember things in real time. Like, I, I, I don't need to read about Plunderdome. I was on the radio and covering it and even interacting with the different people. So, now that's Plunderdome. I, I obviously remember the 38 Studios thing. I, I was on site, station nightclub fire. But there are certain national things that happen that a lot of the individuals... Um, they, they weren't, you know, really into the news, so they didn't follow the news. So they, they are reading a rendition of it, but I, I remember what happened in, in real time. And so much of this, um, especially that stuff with, with Linwood. And Sid Powell, and even you know Rudy, for that matter. I was uh, I was a big Giuliani fan. I met him, Rudy Giuliani, when he was running for mayor of New York City, and David Dinkins was the mayor. I met him on Columbus Avenue. But at some point between then and now, he's kind of uh, 
you know, lost his mind a little bit. But some of the accusations they were making were just off the deep end. And 2,000 mules, as much as that alerted some people, you know, I had people locally telling me, we're going to start, we need to film, have a camera on these drop boxes. And I said, this is going back when 2,000 mules came out last spring and into the summer. I had some people locally telling me we need to put cameras where in Rhode Island we have the drop boxes. And I said, why, why do we need to do that? And they said, so we can see if someone's putting in more than 10. I said, you don't understand. In Rhode Island, there's no limit. You're, you're basing that on states that you can't put more than a certain number in. Rhode Island, okay, let's set up the camera. And there's someone putting in 1,000 ballots. Now, if someone wants to say they're actually fraudulent, stolen ballots, now that, and they're from Mexico, I, I don't, you don't need to do that. I, that I don't believe. I don't believe they're copies of ballots. You can obtain mail ballots. I think there are, the campaigns are filling out ballots. People connected to the campaigns are, are filling out ballots. But the Rhode Island law, make no mistake about it, needs to be changed. And I like the fact that the speaker said, uh, I don't see why we don't need voting 21 days beforehand. And I also recognize folks right now at 148 on this Thursday, you're listening to the John DePietro show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I recognize that some people listening right now, you found the early voting convenient. But I'm telling you, the more the more you get away from day of voting, the more you open up the opportunity for fraud. It, it's just that's just a fact. And Senator Dominic, the Senate President Ruggiero saying same day registration, I could fill 10 buses with people and blah, blah, blah. And and he's not wrong on that. He's not wrong on that. Um, let's see. Gearing up for the wind-driven rainstorm arriving in Rhode Island tonight. Hmm. Sure sounds like heavy rain is going to come down. But it's not coming heavy down right now. Right now, it actually seems rather pleasant out. Today is a good day to get some things done. Now, folks, I again want to remind you that if you enjoy, right now it's 149. If you enjoy the program, make sure you follow me on YouTube. And then you get notified if you subscribe every time we post video on YouTube. We're going to make a bigger presence on YouTube. We're going to grow. There's certainly room to grow on YouTube. And we're going to do that. And we're going to find how we can... um, we're going to do more live there. We're going to have more video there. We're going to do a lot there. I like YouTube. I, I depend on it. It's the best. It's fantastic. We're also, um, obviously, Facebook right now continues to be very, very strong. Very, very strong for us. Facebook Watch. There's also, if you're listening right now and you're wondering, how can you watch when I go live somewhere and we do the breaking news live stream? How can you watch that on that TV? There are people that are watching on that TV. I'm actually, um, it's funny to me that people are saying, hey, I was watching, I saw you on TV the other night. I'm watching you on TV. That's because there's a way that you can connect your Facebook so you can watch it on your TV. I posted on the page, a guy's got a beautiful flat screen above his fireplace and he's sitting there watching when we're doing, we were at the murder on Monday and then the Cranston PD live on uh, Tuesday night. So folks, and, um, and it's, it's all possible, but I fully recognize that there are some people that are not on that platform for whatever reason, and they're never going to be on that platform for whatever reason. So we are going to load into some others. Um, what are, how, how many other platforms are you going to go on? Well, we do a lot with Twitter. We do a lot with Facebook. We do a lot with YouTube. Maybe TikTok. Maybe TikTok. Um, 
I'm on Instagram. I'm just not not the. It's not that I'm not a fan. To me, you got to be everywhere, but I, I I think we're gonna have more of a. I think a presence on uh, on TikTok, but Cranston PD Live is just doing fantastic. Look at that episode six from Tuesday night. Today's Thursday. We're already at twenty thousand views. Now that's bigger than any of the videos that Channel Ten and Channel Twelve have up. Way bigger than any of them. So that's just twenty thousand views for that. And then I I did some separate cuts off of that, and those are doing really well. So we 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 um, edit some of the segments. The guy with the oxygen tank, <laughs> and then the Irishman. And so we you start to approach that between those combined, we're we're over thirty thousand views. And look at that in Waverly. I mean, those numbers are really, really strong. So, folks, we're going to do more of it. People uh, like it. Media is, look how, I mean, Cranston PD Live Episode 5 did 10,000 views, but but some of the um, edits from it, some of the shorter segments did well. But just from the other night, that's already at 20,000 views. The, um, and then I really like how we're, we're um, editing different segments from it. And then some of those just take off. When we had Javier, what did he, I think he did the prayer. Looking right now, that did 8,000 views. When Javier took the test... That's at 42,000 views. So just two segments from episode three, just two of them are at 50,000 views. Now, again, you, you go and look. Be my guest at Go Local Fraud or Channel 10, 12. There's no way they're saying, they're not even seeing numbers. They're, they're happy if they get like 1,000. <laughs> get 1,000 when we're just testing it out. So anyhow. Very exciting things going to be happening in, um, in, in 2023. But folks, media is, it just is. Media is changing. It is changing. Uh, people expect it more. They want it more on demand. Now, locally, at 154, locally, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Locally, you will start to really see changes with your local TV stations. Both, if you're listening right now and you watch Providence News or you watch the Boston stations, because television is next up. Print has been dramatic, dramatically changed. Um, I think radio may change. I don't know. I think radio change a little bit, but. But television, local news, you're already seeing an exodus of a number of people leaving. They're not, you know, they're not coming back. Television right now, I was talking with a television person yesterday. And folks, good afternoon once again at 154. You know, it's interesting, but I, and I've, I've kind of intimated and talked about this a little bit in the past. But there was a time that you could rattle off. If I said Tuesday night ABC... People would say 8 o'clock Happy Days, 8.30 Laverne and Shirley, 9 o'clock Three's Company, 9.30, I don't fully remember what was on. But if you said Saturday night, they'd say Love Boat, Fantasy Island, back to back. Saturday night television on CBS, think of, used to be All in the Family, Bob Newhart, Mary Tyler Moore, and Carol Burnett. Saturday night was a big night on television. Hill Street Blues on Thursday night became ER on Thursday night, became Seinfeld on Thursday night, which had been also Cosby show on Thursday night. Sunday night, 60 minutes at seven, followed by blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I don't know about you. I can't tell you. I don't know. If someone said to me, what what's on on a Monday night? Tell me a a weekday lineup, any day of the week that ABC runs at night, and I don't have an answer. I don't know. I don't watch it. Primetime on television 
is going to flip to end at 10 o'clock. And what are they going to run? More local news. More local news. Although many times, Channel 10, 12, and 6, the reports are pretty similar. But it's all flipping. I just, how many people watching sitcoms? I don't think people watching sitcoms. I watch things on HBO Max. I watch things on YouTube. I watch things on Netflix. I know there's other streaming services. I don't think as much. I watch the NFL. I don't watch the NBA as much. I'll watch some college basketball. I obviously watch a lot of news. But what you're really talking about is how is someone going to entertain themselves for a period of time? That's what it really comes down to. People say, okay, it's nine nine o'clock or 10 o'clock and you get ready for bed and you're in bed and you're going to be awake for another 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Now, how are you going to entertain yourself during that time? In the past... People would put on television, right? Way back, people put on radio. But now, people watch something on Netflix for a half hour. People go on Facebook for a half hour. And you can. People go on TikTok for a half hour. People go on some streaming service for a half hour. So what are they not doing? They're not watching television. If people are in the car, they're definitely listening to radio. Radio remains instant. Radio's direct. Right now it's 158. Coming up, you're going to hear the weather forecast. People want to know what's going on with this storm that's going to hit starting tonight into tomorrow. So all the media is changing, but I believe, I just don't know how much more print can change. People are still reading the Boston Globe. People are reading the New York Times. But who's waiting to find out their news from there? People used to get that. And I know I'm on a little bit of a media rant here, folks. Um, but people think about it. I mean, people, you'd get the newspaper to find out who won a game the night before. Now everything is so instant. You can go and find it online. And people would get the newspaper to check the stocks. Totally changed. All right. It's 159. Folks, it's Thursday. We will be on tomorrow. And we're going to, so I'm not going to say, hey, have yourself a Merry Christmas. We'll be on tomorrow. And we'll also be on Monday. But there is a storm coming. It's John DePietro. Listen, uh, do yourself a favor. Whatever you need to do, try to get it done over the next few hours. And then tomorrow or tonight, you could relax a little bit. I will be doing Facebook Live later. I want you to enjoy this Thursday. And stay tuned. You're going to hear the 2 o'clock news. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. But visit the website, petro.com. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. WNRI Winsocket.